What can make us sing? What can make us praise? Even through our pain, shout your name. Our God saves. When the world is falling apart, there's a peace down deep in our hearts. Our God saves. It's our God saves. Oh, God so loved everyone that He sent His only Son to take away our sin and shame. He did not come here to condemn, but to save the world through Him. For all of us who believe, He offers life eternally. peace down deep in our hearts our God sings yes our God sings oh God so loved everyone that he sent his only son to take away our sin and shame He did not come here to condemn But to save the world through Him For all of us who believe He offers life eternally Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Our God sings. All our sins washed away. It's our God sings. Oh, hallelujah. Our God sings. All our sins washed away. It's our God sings. Oh, God so loved everyone that He sent His only Son to take away our sin and shame. He did not come here to condemn, but to save the world through Him. For all of us who believe, He offers life eternally. Good morning, Carpenter's Way. Welcome, welcome. 
Uh, we have a baptism this morning. So if you want to uh, turn your attention over here. adult, senior, comes to know Christ and is ready to share that publicly through baptism. So we have that this morning with my sweet little friend, Isabella Martinez, who's in third grade, and her granddad, Mr. Rex. <laughs> she is a sweetheart. All my kids, they're all my favorites. I just can't choose. They're all my favorites. Well, something um, here within the last couple years that we've done is we want to give you an opportunity to hear how the child or how the person accepted Christ. So proud big brother Christian is going to come and read just how she came to know the Lord, and then her granddad will baptize her, and grandmother will pray. So it's a family affair. Come on. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. So uh, I'm going to read Isabella's testimony. All right, so she says, Jesus showed me that I had sinned and that he died on the cross for me so he can save me from my sins. So I went to my mommy and I asked her if she could pray with me to ask Jesus into my heart. First, I was scared to get baptized, but then I decided I, want to, I wanted to get baptized because I want to show people that I had asked Jesus in my heart and I want to follow him. That's Isabella's testimony. Jesus died for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that he was buried and rose again the third day? Yes. Are you ready to follow Jesus? Yes. Okay, my sister, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Miss Peggy's going to lead us in a prayer for Isabella. I just wanted to say something really quickly. Um, this is our baby, <laughs> the last of our grandkids that are here. And um, all three of them have accepted Jesus and been baptized right here at Carpenter's Way. So I am so thankful to the teachers here, to Brother Mark, to Miss Alicia, and the children's ministry. So this is a really special day. <laughs> Ready? Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. And thank you for letting Izzy invite you into her heart. Thank you for Carpenter's Way, Father, and the teachers here. Thank you for Izzy's tender spirit. And Father, I just ask you to lead God and direct her path as she grows and keep you close by her side. I ask you to give her a passion for you as she follows you, Father. I thank you for the gift of perseverance and determination that you've given her, and I just ask you to use that for your honor and glory. And Father, I just ask you to be with the teachers here at Carpenter's Way as they continue to minister to her. 
as she grows. And I ask you to be with us as a family, Christian, Destiny, Christian, myself, Rex, and the rest of the family, Father, that Izzy may always see your love from us and that we may always, always point her to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys want to stand and worship with us, you're more than welcome. Oh, I find my shelter in you, my God, and there you give me rest. In my safe place, my strength is in your name. And though I stumble, you won't let me fall. You hold me in your hand. And you direct my Oh, Lord, I stumble, you won't. 
song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one that could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Oh, and holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one that could ever say, is worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, oh, we live for you, oh, and holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up.
All right, if you're able to stand, please do so as we read God's word. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Amen.
Oh, by the power of your blood, by the story of your love, we will overcome. Oh, by the power of your blood, by the story of your love, we will
Savior God to Thee. 
Sit down, sister. This is my little sister, Alicia. Uh, before she makes her announcement, I just want to share with you. Are you comfortable? I'm okay. I'm not going to do anything. Why, why are people so skeptical? She's just taking a break here as I talk to you. Look at all these kids going to GPS. That's through third grade, right? So let's just take a moment and let's pray for them. Am I on here? Okay, good, good, good. Let me, let's pray for our children as they go to their program. Um, Father God, we thank you. Uh, thank you for your greatness. And I, I fear sometimes, Father, that the church and our culture has kind of slid back to, to making you just the, the Savior from hell. And there's so much more to it than that. You are great. And you have invited us to know you, to walk with you, to follow you in in the chaos that the world is, you have called us to follow you. And Lord Jesus, these children who have accepted your offer to forgive their sin, they are your kids, they are your church, and they need to know how great you are. And so I pray for the Sullivans right now as they prepare to teach our kids through third grade that you would bless them, that you would give them energy, and that they would feel refreshed having served you. And for the hearts of these children, that they would be turned to God. Lord, we love you. We're thankful that we get to do this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So uh, this is going to, um, I'm going to talk really, we're going to talk just to the Carpenter's Way people in a moment, but I want to start by explaining what we do at Carpenter's Way, because we've got a lot of visitors over the past few months, and this is a really good morning for us to do it. What you saw with Izzy in the baptismal is not the end. It's, it may not even be the middle. It's the end of the beginning, because the truth is what we're called to do as a church is to disciple. And that means, uh, that's an old, that's a New Testament word. It's an old word. It simply means to make them followers of Rabbi Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we do for our infants. And I know it's like, well, how do you take a baby and, and teach them? You love them in purity and, and teach them stories. I can't believe, look, you know Zach, he leads worship. And you know Hannah, she greeted you out here and, and is a teacher. And you know our family. But I got to tell you something. I have been... It is amazing. When I drive, I, I get to take, after Mother's Day out, I take Sam and now Micah. Two, I'm taking a baby. I'm not a woman. I can't do that. One is about all I can handle. That is not a slam on women. That's like at Christmas, when I walk you, watch you walk out of a store and you're carrying 13 bags and four kids, I stop and I go, thank you, Jesus. Women are amazing. Because usually the husband is carrying one bag and the keys. I don't get that. I, but... The truth, the truth is, when we'll go home, you know, he's kind of tired from the day, and we'll sing together. I, I know that's weird, but we'll sing together. What's your favorite song? And he'll just say, Jesus loves me. And I got to tell you, as good as my kids are, he's learning that. Sam and Micah are learning that in Mother's Day Out and in our children's program. And the, the truth is that God drew us together to disciple each other, to follow the rabbi. And so it's not just about getting people saved. It's not just about getting them baptized. That's phase two. 
That means I want to be a follower of Christ. I know it's been connected to salvation. I get all the verses that talk about that. But I want to remind you that Jesus was discipled at the beginning of his ministry. And he was saying, look, I'm, I'm now here to do my Father's will, not my own. And so that's the baptism we do here. And as, as, as precious little Izzy this morning was baptized, this is the start of her ministry. Well, how does a little girl like that know? That's our job to teach her. That's what we do. And in every facet of ages, from our adults to the seniorest people in our church, all the way down to the youngest children, that's what we do. That's what we do as a church. And even on Sunday morning when I preach, I want you to know that I'm not preaching a three-point sermon. I'm trying to teach you about God, His character, how we interact with Him. Because at the end of the day, no matter what happens in this country, in this world, it is your intimate relationship with God that will carry you on. That is, the, that is the peace in the chaos, you and God. That will be Izzy's peace, is her and God. And so as she continues to grow, her mom, her grandparents, her family will teach her. We've seen it with Christian, and I, I don't want to pick on Christian, but dude, I mean, I'm putting you on a pedestal for a minute, but we're so impressed with your walk with God. And now if you see Christian drinking or smoking, you just kick him in the rear end and tell him to knock it, knock it out of his hand. He's not. But we're proud of you. We sent him on a mission this summer as a church and supported him. And, and uh, that's, that's what we do. And I, I want to say, and somebody's going to try to prove me wrong, but we don't have an activity or program here that doesn't somehow point people to a deeper, intimate relationship with the Lord. Our goal is not to keep you busy. Our goal is to keep you close with the Lord and teach you about him. And having said that, we have a phenomenal, uh, they were prayed for this morning. We have a phenomenal group of people that do that. With our children, they, they invest. I think we counted a few years ago, and there's like 200 positions if everybody just did one. That's a lot of people, but you know that's how many it takes to disciple. And our encouragement to you as you go out in the community isn't just to leave a tract with somebody. I mean, there's a place for that, but to actually have coffee with them. Don't just give 20 bucks to a homeless guy. Take him to Jack in the Box and talk to him. Talk to her. Get to know him. Build a relationship. That's what Jesus did. Well, what will people think if I'm hanging out with drunks? They'll think you're a friend of sinners. Welcome to the party. That's what Jesus was, right? And that's what we need to be. And all that is to say that over the last few years, as it relates to our children's ministry, I first wanted to say, that's what we do here. You all agreed to that. And, uh, and now I want to talk, we want to talk to our church family. And as we go on, we, uh, from COVID, we uh, lost some folks. To sickness. We lost some folks to fear. And now that we're getting back, we've got a group of people who are really, really good at children's ministry. That's why there's Izzy's. The problem is we're burning them out. They're, uh, they're serving every time, all the time. And they don't get, they don't get to hear this. See, for those of you on TV, Christine Mize will be looking for a new church. I know I called you by your birth name. That's okay. You can, you can laugh at that, although I don't think it's funny. I'm really, really good at this job. Don't worry. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about sinners later, so we'll get, we'll get back to her. Actually, thank you. I was waiting for somebody to laugh. But the, the, truth, the truth is, we, we all are in, right? We're all in this together. And, and so you're gifted in some areas, and, and we know that. And it's, it's crazy. I, I'm looking at Sabrina and Kirby, and they're working with our college kids on Sunday morning. Their room was too small, so we have to move them. It's an amazing time to do discipleship at Carpenter's Way. And my sister does an awesome job doing that. But it's really hard. Can I just tell you, it's not easy to get up here and ask for money when we're behind in our budget. It's not fun, although the elders say that's part of your job, and it's, it's not easy to get up here and say, we need help. 
we're sucking wind a little bit. And that's what she's going to do. So would you just give her a lot of grace and really seek in your heart whether the Lord would have you participate in our discipleship ministry. Go. <laughs> Tag, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> I did send down an email earlier this week on Monday. So if you haven't seen it or got a chance to read it, go Oh, uh, don't sit down. <laughs> um, go back and check that because it laid out all of our ministry needs. Praise God, we've got more than half of those filled since Monday. And so this is so not like me. He, uh, I told Jeff, I'm so nervous. But anyway, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God and how great he is. And it need, takes all of us in uh, getting that word out to our kids. So that being said, we do still have some opportunities available that we need you. Don't worry, Melinda and David, y'all aren't teaching today. I know they were, Mark, Pastor Mark prayed for y'all. Oh, you're welcome. I prayed for you. <laughs> I'm sure man. they are like, what? You know, Maria, <laughs> Belschner, and Trish Fullen are back there teaching. But y'all, we need four more adults. We serve quarterly in teaching our kids uh, kinder through third grade in children's church for that hour. So I need four adults that can give me a couple of hours, 12 hours a quarter every three months. So that that way we can rotate, we can continue our rotations. During our Bible study, uh, which is our Sunday school hour, 11 to noon, we still need some volunteers once a month to, to love on a baby. We need a couple a volunteer in our threes and four class, two hours a month. We, we've created rotations so that you can be a part of children's ministry and still be a, an active part in your Bible study class. So that is so important to nourish your own soul so that you can take in so you can give out, right? So we have big needs in our Mother's Day Out program. We, at the beginning of the week, we needed four teachers. Now we need two teachers. So the Lord is bringing people in, which is a paid position. So I'm looking for a younger two-year-old teacher to love on, invest in those little toddlers, and a homeschool class. Just with the boom in the homeschool community, we do provide that now for homeschool families. So we're looking for a teacher. Um, team Kid, we've, our dads, you guys have rocked it this year, stepping up and helping. I'm needing two more dads to serve on rotation with me on Wednesday nights and Team Kid. So I have all this listed um, again in the email. I do have my little table set out. If you're interested, need a job application, uh, are interested in serving, we do background checks and so forth. Uh, for adults and, uh, and teenagers, we have teen forms that our, our teachers fill out because I need some more teenagers to help in children's church. My little Rachel, she's been serving. Y'all, she's a senior this year, so we're, we're, we're losing some to graduation. So we're trying to build up that new set to, to help. So that's a lot. You did good. Let's give Thanks. Alicia a hand. No, no, no. No. So join us. Come grow with us and join us. If you were better at your job, you'd never need people. Can you, am, am I on? You didn't hear that. That was a great shot at you, Alicia. When we first came to Carpenter's Way, <laughs> do you, Alicia, this, I don't know why I'm telling them this, that we, 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 sh we sheltered here. And I'm just getting to know the staff. And they, frankly, they didn't like me. There was like four no votes on me here. They were all the vocational people in the church. But we had like 500 people packed in this place. And there was, there was hurricanes coming to Lufkin. And Jeff's family is in his office, and my family's in my office because we're working 24 hours a day. Many of you remember that because you were part of it. And it was like 4 in the morning, and I, remember, I couldn't sleep. So I get up, and I walk in the hall, and Alicia comes out of Jeff's office, and I'm like, oh, she looks totally different in the morning. I just want you to know that. <laughs> 
she's not even here. Okay. She keeps calling me her older punk brother. I don't know what she means by that, but we have such a, we have such a great staff. But you know what? The truth is the ministers are y'all. And uh, I know we're in this together. We're not, for those of you visiting, uh, we're not, um, we're not just looking for warm bodies. Uh, we, we do background checks. We're looking for people who want to pour Jesus into our children because we are not trying to make Baptists or, or church people or Christians. We're, we're trying to develop followers of Jesus, and that takes an enormous amount of energy. And uh, so anyway, um, only other announcement I have is Wednesday night of the next two weeks are going to be Mission Wednesday nights. We are also very heavily mission-minded uh, and so the next two Wednesday nights, we do two, at least two short-term mission trips a year. Usually there's more than that, but this summer we had a Brazil trip and a Guatemala trip. And the next two Wednesday nights, we're going to afford you opportunities to hear from those who went what God did in their life. This is a phenomenal time for you to, just to check out what you do on these trips and what God does through you. Um, and, uh, but th- this Wednesday night's going to be Guatemala. That will start at 6.30. And then next Wednesday is going to be Brazil. And uh, so come out for that. The kids' programs are going on during that hour as well, 6.30 to 7.45-ish. And uh, we, we, just, we just want you to hear about what's going on there. So, all right, let's jump into our, our conversation this morning. There is, I, I, I don't think, this is my opinion, I did not look it up online this week, but I don't think there's ever been a, a topic in Christendom or a doctrine that's been more written about and taught on than probably prayer. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, the reason we do that, the reason we have so many books, the reason we have so many series that talk about prayer is because we can't figure out why God never answers the prayer we ask. And now look, I may be wrong, but I think a lot of times when we go to God, we want him to do something, and when he doesn't do it, we walk away going, okay, I'm going to survive this, but what am I doing wrong in my prayer life? So people will fill in the gap, and so will Satan. So will Satan. He'll tell you how to pray more effectively because basically he wants to blame you, get your eyes off of the prayer answerer, and put it on yourself for why prayers aren't being answered. And yet, you know, what's interesting is that Jesus taught us how to pray in a few simple words. And by the way, it was free. Jesus taught us how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he said, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in synagogues and everywhere, everywhere where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. When you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to, what's that say? Your what? Your father. Pray to your father in private and your what? Your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now look, when we read this text, a lot of times when we read the whole passage, we want to get to the Lord's Prayer. But I think this is pretty significant, and here's the reason why. Would you put the picture up there for me, please? Hannah, you're about to be shocked. Okay. Uh, this e- these are my grandkids, okay? One is Sam, and one is Micah. And that's this morning. That's what, and I, Zach's text was, why do they always sleep on my side of the bed? But, but I just want to point out that in the middle of the night, when the kids sneak in, it's because that is their safe place. That's where mommy and daddy are. And as frustrating and tiring and exhausting as that can be to mommy and daddy, and many of you have had that experience, 
The truth is, you know the reason they do that, and I'm not saying you should let them sleep in your bed until they're 20. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that that's where Sam goes when a garbage truck goes by in the middle of the night and he's scared of garbage trucks. I know you just went, what a baby. Hey, he's a Texan. He's one of the first. Hannah and these kids are the native Texans, so you raise them weird. Garbage trucks are scary, apparently. But I'm just, I'm just telling you that that's where they go to the safe place. And I want to step back and say that's what it looks like to go to God in prayer. Seriously. It isn't our Father who art in heaven. It's not that. That's religion. That's why he starts by saying, go to him in private. Because the natural question is, well, why in private? Why would I go to God in private? Because public doesn't answer your prayers. Yeah, but I want everybody to know my needs. Well, that's not praying to God. That's praying to them. You see, this, this thing we're talking about is not a religious activity. This is not a religious activity. They're not in Sunday school. They're not dressed up. This is what they do behind closed doors when they when they're, can't sleep, when they wake up in the middle of the night, when they have needs. They crawl into mom. <laughs> Micah doesn't. He just burps. But he's, he's three months, four months. I don't know how old he is. doesn't matter until he starts talking. But he's, he's four months old. But Sam... Sam wants to come into bed. My son already hates this message because he's like, great point. Can you get him out of my bed? That's what, that's what we should pray like. Twice I made you say, what's those words? Your father. So before Jesus even gets into the prayer that is called by the Catholic Church affectionately as the Our Father, the truth is Jesus wanted them to know your father, your father. Right after telling them they're falling short, right after calling them the salt of the earth, right after all that, he says, your father knows, and he goes on. So because he's your father and he sees everything and he will reward you for your private, intimate prayers, verse seven, you can put that up there. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are being answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Why not? Because prayer isn't manipulation. And that's the problem with most books on prayer today. They teach you how to manipulate God. So pray the prayer of Jabez because then your boundaries will be expanded. Oh, thank you, sir. Now you've, you've unlocked the secret that God has kept for thousands of years. You realize that's the underside of a lot of these teachings. If you figure out what words to bring out of your mouth, God will be forced that is common preaching on TBN. What you need to do is you need to step out in faith because that will activate the hand of God. Oh, God's just a giant Coke machine. But I want Pepsi. I don't want Dr. Pepper. That's what we've turned prayer into. But prayer is when you go to your Father. And instead of trying to manipulate Him by saying things over and over, don't be like them. Why? Because your Father knows exactly what you need before you even pray. They don't have to ask Sam when he walks into their bedroom. Sam, it's three in the morning. Why are you here? They know why he's there. I want to be with my mom and dad. They know he needs food. They know better than him what his needs are, not his wants. And so does our Father in heaven. And the whole idea of our Father who art in heaven is actually not a formal statement. It's an informal statement to say, God wants you to cuddle up with him. He already knows what you need. He just wants you to come to him with those needs. So, so don't pray in public as if public religious movements can change you or God. And, and don't babble on and on saying it over and over again as if that will move the heart of God. He already knows what you need. Instead, pray like this, our Father in heaven. 
In our study up to this point in the last few weeks, we've learned uh, when we started out that, that we are literally the adopted children of God. That Ephesians says that we are g- literally joint heirs to all the Father has given Jesus. We get to join in that with Him. We literally are the children of God. That's not figurative. It's not another way to say Christian. But we are the children of God. And so when Jesus teaches them to pray, he's already said at least twice, when you talk to your father, when you talk to your father, don't do this and don't do that. You don't need to do those things because he's your father and he already knows what you need. Instead, pray like this, dad, our father, our father in heaven. So he's not like your worldly dad. And it's not a location thing. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You're not saying, hey, in case you're wondering who I'm talking to, it's the one in heaven. That's not what you're doing. What you're saying is, this father is not like your earthly fathers. This father never rejects us. He never walks away. He never, his ears are never plugged. He's not going to repent first. Da, da, da. That's not him. It's a different father. Our father who's in heaven. And then we make our first request. May your name be kept holy. We talked about that a lot. In fact, we watched the video a few weeks ago that, that, so I could bring you into reminding you who we're praying for. Yes, Scripture says, Galatians says we can call him our Abba, which, which is a familiar term with the word Father. It's Daddy. And yes, you can approach him like that. But the second line, our Father who art in heaven, may your name be kept holy, which is what the Greek says. May your name be kept holy is actually saying, Lord, help me never forget who you really, really are. And in the last two weeks, there's been a lot of conversation in our Bible study class. We're trying to get a working definition of holy. We all kind of know the word, and I just want to tell you, there is no working definition of the word holy. You're not going to wrap your mind around it any more than you're going to wrap your mind around the Trinity. The word holy simply means he's different than anybody you've ever met. He's perfect, yet judge, uh, he's merciful, yet judgmental. He is the king, yet he is also the servant. Everything we talked about in Jesus' life of the upside-down kingdom value system that we have to live, he is those things. He cares about his enemies. Those who hung on him on the cross, he prayed for them while he was dying. He's different. May your name be kept holy. So dear Lord, uh, our Father in heaven, dear Dad, before I start asking for what I'm about to ask for, help me remember who it is I'm talking to. And while I'm doing that, I really, Lord, want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. I missed the verse 10. Sorry, let me go back to that. May your kingdom come soon. Why? This was last week's message. Because we actually know that the answer to all of our concerns are the return of Christ. And and I, I, I know we know that. I just don't think we believe that. I mean, I think we believe it, but we don't feel it. It's kind of like, Lord, while we're waiting for you to return, save America. Well, why do I want America saved? So I can live comfortably. So my grandkids can live comfortably. As if that's the answer to all of our problems. You know, the answer to our problems is not a a Democratic president or a Republican president or an independent president. The answer to America's problems is to bow the knee and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and start acting like God. Living the upside-down value kingdoms. That's the answer. The answer is reminding ourselves who He is and praying before we pray anything else, Lord Jesus, may Your kingdom come soon because that will solve my concern right now. And I want Your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a, that's a, 
That's actually not a request for God to answer. That's a request we answer. If we want a kingdom down here, if we want a world that looks like heaven, we're going to have to start acting like that upside-down value system. That means how you publish your thoughts on, on uh, Facebook has to be kingdom value, um, what is it, filtered. How you talk about your spouse, ladies, when you're out having a glass of wine has to be kingdom value filtered. Men, the time you spend fishing and hunting, the, the things you do, watching your wife carry 13 kids and 42 bags has to be kingdom filtered. When you've had a long day and you come home and just because your wife's a teacher and all she does is babysit all day while you let her cook dinner and, and do dishes, the question is, is that kingdom filtered? If I want your kingdom to be done on earth as it is on heaven, I have to live the heavenly values. And I, I think, personal opinion, we talked about this last week, but I think the church is asking God to change the world instead of the church. And frankly, between Ravi Zacharias and the Southern Baptist Convention and the Catholic Church over the past 10 years, I think we're doing a lousy do job living out our kingdom values. Would you agree with that? Amen. I'm tired of pastors having sex with the children in the church. It's not appropriate. Okay, just to be clear. And not just picking on the pastors. I'm tired of people in the church having, committing adultery and saying God gave them their, their new spouse because it makes them feel good. That's a lie. The truth is we are here to serve the king of kings. And if we teach that beautiful young lady who was baptized this morning, if we teach her that her job in this life is to follow the Constitution that says you have been set free to, to uh, pursue happiness, that is not the value system of the kingdom. You, you know that, right? Even, even the most conservative political people in this room, you do know that the personal pursuit of happiness is not a biblical value. Okay, 18 of you do? I got bad news for you. I challenge the rest of you to read the New Testament. It actually, the value system of the kingdom is actually not to pursue self-happiness. It's to sacrifice for others. It's to love your enemy. It's to pray for those who persecute you. Oh, that was just Jesus talk. No, that's the real deal. And the reason the church has a problem today is because we, teach, teach, we keep teaching that there's a segment of this Christian world, pastors and such, who live by a value system, but the rest of us are just trying to make it. That is not what Carpenter's Way is about. That's why we want you to help. That's why that we baptize Izzy at a young age. That's why you need to be baptized because what we're saying is I'm about ready to radically leave the Christian church and be a follower of Jesus because they're not the same anymore. With me? Hate me? That's okay. Text, my, my te uh, email is jeff at cwbc.org. I haven't given it to you in a while. So, we, we work our way through it. So our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today. Now, okay, now I can go for my personal concerns. The very reason I'm praying. Because that really is, we, we all go to prayer except at very rare occasions. And if you want to know how rare it is, and forgive me, um, I know most of you have defriended me on Facebook, but, but it is interesting. The people started about six months ago posting Dear Lord, today I just want to come to you and thank you for everything and not ask you for anything. Do you know why that's an interesting post? Because nobody ever does that. If, if I say, if, if, if I go to prayer outside of food times or before a service, it's usually, it's usually because I need something. Dear Lord, help me, whatever it is, food, job, money, health. 
I'm going to God for something. Would you agree with that, that predominantly most of our prayer, and maybe you're different. I know there's some prayers in this church, and you're different, but for most of us, we're going to God with something. And Jesus isn't saying, don't come to God with something. He's saying, just start it with some facts, some affirmations. And the affirmations are clear. This is a different kind of father. This isn't your daddy you were born with. He, uh, you need to remember who he is. He's the king of the universe, the creator of all, the holy one. Uh, and we want his kingdom to solve our problems, not this world. And may your, name, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once I'm done with that, now that I've got all those things affirmed, now that I've said those things, Lord, I need food. That's the next line. And then he goes on, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I'll, I'm going to preach on that next week. Most of you will not want to be here for that. I just, that was, only eight people laughed. I, I was kidding. You want to be here. Because I, I, don't, I, I actually was tempted. I was thinking this week about what I was going to do next week. I thought about just coming up, reading that, and closing in prayer. I mean, that's, it's pretty tough, but we'll get there next week. So pray for your food. When you realize in light of what Jesus just said that you need forgiveness, Go ahead and ask him to forgive your sin as you've forgiven others who've sinned against you. I hate that part. And then, and by the way, Lord, don't let us yield to temptation, but res rescue us from the evil one. So, Lord, I'm about to get into give us this day our daily bread, and I ask you to help us hear with our hearts what you have to say. Amen. Finally, his followers must have thought, finally, we've gotten to the kind of prayer I care about. They must have thought that because they're just like us. This teaching on prayer comes in the midst of teachings where their rabbi, Jesus, is training his mostly Hebrew. Now remember this, and I, I'm, side note, just because I want you to understand, the reason I call them Hebrews at this point, they were not referred to as Jews until the nation split in two and you had Judah and the other side of the nation, Israel and Judah. And that's when that part of the kingdom got the name Jews. We call them Jews today. But their, their technical term for this group of people, whether they were northern or southern kingdoms, kingdom people, or before that time, we're talking about when David was around, they didn't call them Jews. They were a united kingdom. They were, because they weren't in Judah until later. So basically... They're referred to as Hebrews, so that's why I call them Hebrews. So this is a mostly gathering of Jesus' Hebrew followers. Having grown up as Hebrews, every one of them, 100% of them, if they grew up in a relatively committed Hebrew home, if they lived in a Hebrew community, most of them went to Hebrew schools as children. And that means that they learned the Hebrew language so that they could read the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, just want to make sure you're still with us here. So, it's the first five books. That's the Torah. If you talk to a Jew or Hebrew today, they will tell you that's what they obsess. When you see, when you see the scrolls in a, uh, in a uh, synagogue, those scrolls behind the front, those are the Torah. Those are the first five books of the Testament. That's what they study. And then they have the other writings that we have from the Old Testament. Most of our Old Testament books are found in Hebrew Bibles. But it's predominantly those five books. And so when Jesus talked about, give us this day our daily bread, you and I go, oh, lunch today. That's not what they thought about. Their brains, when Jesus used this phrase, immediately went back to Exodus. God providing their daily bread. These were Hebrew-thinking people. They compared everything to the Old Testament Scriptures. When Jesus says that, they think of Exodus 16, which I'm going to read for you. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin, 
between Elam, Elam and Mount Sinai, and they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So this is right after the Exodus. They're, they're a month out, and they're traveling. There too, in that community, and when it says there too, that's because this happened before, in the last month, the whole community of Israel, everybody complained about Moses and Aaron. And why? Well, listen to their complaint. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots of pots uh, filled with meat, and we ate all the bread that we wanted. Oh, Egypt was so great. And ironically, it was pretty good for the Hebrew people. We just learned this on Wednesday nights as we've been going through looking at where they were. You see, the Hebrew people, when Joseph came and his brothers finally came into Egypt 430 years prior to the Exodus, uh, that the Pharaoh, who appreciated what Joseph did, the second largest, in, uh, the second in command of all the nation, basically said, you take your brothers, 70 some of them and your family and all of their sheep and all their goats, and you take them to any part of the land you wanted. Well, as nice a people as they were, they took the best of, best of Egypt. It was called the land of Goshen. And if you look at Goshen, it is, the Nile goes right through it, and for four months out of the year, it swells and floods, and then for the rest of the year, it's green. It's absolutely green. It's not like the pyramids, and we saw that on a Wednesday night as we were looking at the video. It was green. It is perfect. There was plenty of fish. There was plenty of stuff. And the premise of our video was, over the past month, is that the Jews didn't really want to leave Egypt. It tells us that the last Pharaoh didn't remember the work that God had done through Joseph. And so, up to then, it was a pretty good life. They were actually hired by Pharaoh to do some stuff, kingdom building. They actually did a lot of stuff. They had good food, good land. They were middle-class folks being left alone because Egyptians don't like uh, animal herders, so they were left alone until the last Pharaoh who began to get scared that they were going to overtake the kingdom. So he starts abusing them, takes them into slavery, slavery, and starts killing the firstborn male in every family. They had a good life. So what does God do? He delivers them. They didn't even ask for deliverance. Go back. Matthew Colbertson taught me this. I never, I never even thought about it. But it doesn't tell us that they ever asked for deliverance. It, tells that, it says that they were crying out to the gods. They weren't even crying out to Yahweh. They were crying out to the gods that they would be delivered from their punishment. They just wanted a better life. Can we go back to the way it was before? So as they're wondering a month out, as for their deliverance, they start crying out, why has the Lord brought us out here to die? I mean, we sat around pots in Egypt filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food, verse, verse uh, I think I'm in four, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, each day, pay attention, every day, your daily bread, each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. And in the Hebrew, it means that day. Doesn't mean for the day after, the week after, the month after, that day. So I will test them in this to see whether or not they follow my instructions. I'm going to go ahead and ruin the story by saying they don't. But he gave them enough of this stuff. So on the sixth day, and by the way, here comes the test, on the sixth day. So for five days out of seven, I'm going to give you, in the morning, something. I'm going to give you food. And on the sixth day, they're going to gather food, and they will prepare it, and there will be twice as much as usual. Well, why? Because he wants them to rest on the Sabbath. So there'll be enough on the sixth day for number six and number seven. Are you following me? 
your daily bread except for the Sabbath day, and there was enough before. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize that it is the Lord who had brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. Moses is a little defensive here. What have we done? <laughs> this is so funny. Okay, this is how Mark reads scripture, so it could be crazy. But all of a sudden, Moses kind of loses his train of thought. Then Moses, uh, he said, uh, like, in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are really against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? I mean, Aaron and I, we didn't even want to do this. Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? <laughs> yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Um, isn't it great that we still have the personalities of these self-centered boobs? I mean, he really does. It's like, why, would, why did he need to say that? The answer is he didn't need to say that. He's just feeling sorry for himself. It's not fun to be a shepherd. It is for me, because you're awesome. But it's not always fun. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked, down, they looked out towards the wilderness, and there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Okay, a couple things. Remember, by day there was a cloud, and that was the presence of the Lord, and it directed them. And at night it was a pillar of fire. So they've just watched, context, they've just watched God do the ten plagues. They've just seen the wall of that Red Sea open up, and they walk through the middle on dry ground. And then they watch Moses lift his, his thing, that staff, and it closes up on him. And they're like celebrating, we got a song. And they sing a song. And now a month later they're going, you brought us out here to die. I mean, you've got to be going... The whole, the Trinity has to be going, oi, we should have picked Americans. These, these, these Hebrews are stupid. You brought us out here to die. Think about how much easier it would have been just to kill him on the water. But he doesn't. But that's their complaint. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaint. Now tell them in the evening, you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. It's like, okay, he keeps saying it over and over. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. Now, we have quail hunters in our church. That's never happened to any of you. And you get the sense that they fell in their laps. Vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were, public, uh, were puzzled when they saw it. They said, what's that line? Do you know what the Hebrew word for that is? No, manna. You guys don't speak Hebrew? <laughs> that was good. Because I've been training you to say, what is it? That's what they said. The Hebrew word for that phrase is manna. So every time we go, oh, it's like manna in the desert, you're saying in Hebrew, it's like that, what is it in the desert? They had no idea. And then now you know Hebrew. You can speak it. They asked each other, what is it? They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it's the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everybody had just enough for their family. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Give us this day our daily bread. We're going to keep going. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen. And they kept some of it till morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. And Moses was very angry with them. May Moses was an angry little, little elf, wasn't he? 
Some fail the test. Why? Because they don't trust the word of the Lord. After this, this, uh, this, the people gathered food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had picked, uh, picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set it aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the evening, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Or odor. Isn't God awesome? You can't explain any of this from, from the birds flying into the camp to the what is it falling on the ground, being filled with smell and maggots every day, except on the seventh day, except God. Do you know that sometimes God, do you know that all the time God wants to do things that don't make a bit of sense to us so that we know he's God? Seriously. That's how he works. And that's how you do parenting. Sometimes if there's a way to, for you to show your child or your grandchild that you know more than them, you let them screw up. If you're a good parent. Because your goal isn't to keep them perfect. Your goal is to train them, right? And that's what God is doing. Verse 24. We're almost done with this. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good. Didn't have maggots. And uh, Moses said, eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath dedicated to the Lord, and there will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. So verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. <laughs> they are followers of the fire and smoke, but not really trusting people in God. You see, just because you're a Hebrew doesn't make you a follower of Jehovah, and just because you're a Christian doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. That's what's wrong with our church today. We got people who walked aisle and were baptized but don't know Jesus. Well, how can you tell the difference? The fruit of the Spirit's presence. Trust. We got to get back to that in the church. So, moving away, some of the people found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long are these people going to refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you two days supply and on the sixth, uh, and on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go back and pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any more food on the seventh day. The Israelites called the food manna, or in English, what is it? It was like white, uh, like coliander, uh, coriander seed, and tasted like honey wafers. So God provided their daily nourishment with something they referred to as manna that tasted like honey and coriander. I have no idea what coriander tastes like, but it sounds to me like honey graham cracker cereal or something. My grandson loves graham crackers. I think he just loves to fill his mouth with food, but he likes graham crackers. And frankly, since he's been eating them, I started eating them. They're way better than, outside of, than inside of s'more. Just eating them with a glass of milk. Now I want lunch. But, but it, it, it's crazy. How awesome was it that these guys, now back to our Matthew story, that these guys could look back 3,500 years. They could look back at a story they had been taught with and see that the God who had provided for them after the plagues, deliver them from Egypt, and allow them to walk right through the, the Red Sea actually also took care of their physical needs, of their doubting great-great-grandparents in ways that are unthinkable and scientifically impossible. Over and over, within and around this passage where we find the template prayer in Matthew, Jesus makes it clear that God is our Father. He's our Dad. He also makes it clear in verse 8, immediately before He teaches how to pray and ask for what we need, that our Father already knows our needs. 
It's crazy because I did a word study on this word, exactly what you need, this phrase. And the word tense of it actually says that God uh, knows what your singular, your need is before you even ask. He knows who you are. The tense idea is this. God knows the Father, your Father in heaven, knows you by name, knows you specifically. He knows exactly what your need is for depression or anxiety or food or whatever it is you're struggling with. This isn't really about food. He knows exactly what you need, and he knows exactly how to supply what you need. The tense in the, in the uh, Greek language is so specific, it rocked me this week. And give us this day our daily bread. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I know exactly what you need, Mark and Cecil, and Sally, and Karen. While we go, God, I'm struggling in a way that nobody else struggled, God goes, I know you. I know you. Remember, I'm your father. This prayer isn't something we pray at funerals. It's something you pray 362 times a day. But not this prayer, the concept of the prayer. It's a template prayer. Lord, I know you're my father in heaven, but I'm hurting. But I know you're holy. Help me remember that today. Help me remember that you're sovereign. Help me remember how you provided for people who didn't believe in you. I'm struggling, Father. Lord, I know the solution is heaven and, and, or your kingdom on earth, and I just, so your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sound like Jesus, don't I? Who said, take this cup of suffering for me. As he's dripping sweat that's filled with blood. You think Jesus was having a bad day? But he says, not my will. Yours be done. And I know what that means, Father. That is so awesome and so freeing. Or it can be. I know we've talked a lot about nationalism over the last two years. and I know we've lost talk, talked about other things. I just want you to know that the solution to whatever ails you at 3 o'clock in the morning is trusting in Jesus as your Father. It doesn't mean that you won't sweat drops of blood, but you acknowledge that He knows your needs. He knows what's going on at 3 in the morning. He knows already you specifically. He made you. He is holy. And in that, you trust Him even if you never, even if, Father... It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stand before Nebuchadnezzar and says, what God is able to save you from my hands? And they say to him, Eve, our God is able to save us, Nebuchadnezzar, but even if he chooses not to, we will never bow to anybody but our God. And you know what happened? He threw him in the, li uh, threw him in the lion's den. He threw him in the fiery furnace. You know why David ran up against Goliath? He didn't just walk and saunter and hide behind some military guy. Because he saw God as the defeater of that large, stinky man. How dare you speak against God? David would rather have died as a young man in a battle with the enemy of the Lord than to actually live under servitude of such an evil king. What about us? Sorry, getting ahead of myself. It's so awesome to know that your father... And I think Izzy's probably in childcare, but I want to talk to her. I want her to know that your life is going to be so chaotic and so painful, but your Father in heaven knows your needs. He knows your struggles. He knows your physical and emotional weakness, and he cares for you. My depressed and anxious friend, if you struggle with that feeling the rest of your life, will you still trust the Lord? But I don't want to feel like this. Nobody wants to feel like that. My single daughter, who's now in Dallas alone, please pray for my daughter. 
Anna, will you trust the Lord if he doesn't give you the husband of your dreams? But dad, I know. Will you trust the Lord if you die of this ailment? Will you trust the Lord with a president you don't like? But I want everybody to know. Nobody needs to know but God. Why does everybody need to know how you feel? What have we done? I know what we've done. We've turned ourselves into gods. If I don't speak up for truth and righteousness, who will? God already has. Keep your mouth shut. Be slow to speak. Love people that you don't like. Serve them. But they're mean. And they'll get worse. Have you read how this ends? God wins. <laughs> That's how it ends. But in the meantime, it's going to be nasty. Now you know why we don't just look for Sunday school teachers. Because what we are doing, and you could ask Alicia this, and we talk about it as a staff, what we are doing here in this church that is under this crazy group of hairy elders that God's called. None of us feel like we're awesome at this. But we have been given a specific task, and that is to prepare you for whatever God allows you to experience until you go home. It is not to make you committed to Carpenter's Way Baptist Church or to make you better Christians or to make you follow the line or to tell you how to vote. It is to help you see Jesus as he is and trust him. You would think when you read this story that these people would have thought back, these disciples, and gone, oh, man. How could they ever, when there's this, this honey-flavored graham crackers on the ground, how could they ever, and there's pheasants under sand. I was going to say glass. Pheasants! You know, if you, if you put enough butter on it, it's really good from what I understand. If you put a jalapeno on it, and you put the meat inside and some cream cheese, you got Texas food. Love that. How could they ever doubt him again? Let me answer that question. Let me show you something that happens just a, a, a few years later. Numbers 21. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Or, uh, taking the road along the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. They're still in the wanderings. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. This is very interesting. They complained. There's nothing to eat and nothing to drink, and we hate this. What is it? Okay. What? Would you quit answering my questions? I was just translating in English for you. <laughs> But, but I want you to pay attention here. What's wrong with the last two sentences? I make an observation. What? It's a contradiction. They just said we have nothing to eat and we hate what we're eating. Excuse me. One of those two can't be true. So let's be honest here. It wasn't that they, they were starving to death. They just didn't like God's provision. This is the part of the message you're not going to like. Ready? Because I didn't like it. Maybe that's why the church today is such a mess. Because the church today, our prayers often sound like this. Dear Lord, help me find a good church, preferably one with a coffee bar, one where my kids are entertained with super cool toys and awesome modern facilities, where their friends attend and the staff is hipster. Oh, and a great band with a funny, energetic, motivational type speaker would be great. Amen. We can giggle, but that does sound like a modern church, doesn't it? Or how about this? Dear God, we understand that you have left us in a fallen world, but please don't, please don't let their sin interrupt my entertainment and comfort. Keep Disney just partially secular. 
Dear Lord, I'm willing to witness for you as long as I don't lose friends or family over it or offend anyone by calling sin, sin. Dear Lord, thank you for those other people willing to disciple my kids so I can sit and enjoy all the services my church offers. I should have left that one out. Alicia wrote that. I don't... <laughs> you weren't even in here. I, I blessed you after you left. I just talked about how wonderful you were. And I told them what you looked like in the morning because of the shelter thing. Yeah, that was bad. Thank you for... I'd like to thank you for painting the barn. It's, you're, you're lovely. Oh, relax. I'm politically incorrect anyway. Think about this prayer. Raise up workers to continue doing discipleship, Lord. Man, my week is so busy, and to be honest, my kids make me crazy at home, so... So would you please raise up someone else to do your work in their lives? Gosh, that's hard. Dear Lord, I really am okay with your plan here, but don't let the USA fall or any other party's president win or the church be persecuted or living for you cost me much. Personal. Please allow me the unhindered rights of the U.S. Constitution where I can pursue my own personal happiness. Wow. Those are all familiar prayers, right? Because I've prayed, I think, pretty much all of them at one time or another. Seriously, I'm not better than you. I'm just as messed up. You see, the problem with Mark is, when I'm preaching, God is my God. When I'm out there, I'm my God. I tell God, you can do, Lord, I'm willing to pick up my cross and follow you as long as it costs everybody else more than it costs me. And yet Yahweh taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today the food we need. Not necessarily the food we want. Oh, and by the way, Lord, when you provide me the food I need, the food I like, could you, could you, could you throw in some of the really good tasting stuff? Because before I came to Christ, I had more money and all this stuff, and I'd really like to rem remember that. And by the way, that is exactly what the Hebrews were praying. You do realize that. It wasn't about food. What they were praying was, we miss Egypt. Well, I delivered you from Egypt. I know, but there's some stuff we like there. Does, does that dig a little deeper? What happens when you and I have been delivered from all of this chaos, but we miss some of the toys? Dear Lord, I know your plan is better, but I sure like the toys this country offers me. So don't let Disney screw them up. Or Donald Trump. Or our president now. Or Pelosi. Don't let them screw up those things. I like those. And God in heaven goes, seriously? After all I've done for you, you really, really, really want me to do it your way. We don't, Lord. But our hearts are not as faithful as our heads. So it is my prayer, Father, that you would help us to be as committed in feeling and emotion and heart as we are in our heads. Lord Jesus, we know you are holy. We know you're our dad. We know you love us. We hear that all the time. We know you have a plan that's good in the long run, but maybe difficult in the middle ground. And so we ask that you provide for our daily needs, even if we get tired of graham crackers. May we be thankful for graham crackers. Because that marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be something to behold. It's just not going to be today. I love you, Lord. I trust you in most ways. Now I pray you'd carve out the other ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you this morning and you want to spend some time with Him up here in the corner. We always have at the end of service some communion elements and you can come alone. You can bring your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and come alone. Just come up and you can spend some time with the Lord up here. I'll be up here as well. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great Sunday.